Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Welcome to episode number 133 of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. And today is our spooky, scary things edition. It's our Halloween show 2018. And I am one of your hosts, Cheryl Todd. And I'm the other guy, Dan Todd. We have a great show today. Cheryl's already told you what the theme is, but I'm supposed to say that. You know that, right? <laughs> I, I took your line, didn't I? Well, anytime you have a mic, that's what it's, you do. It's a true story. It's a true story. And we have some in-studio guests. We're going to actually chat them up at the end of hour number two. But uh, they're going to help us lead in here and talk a little bit about... Halloween. All Hallows Eve. We have in studio with us a Michael Sodini, founder of Walk the Talk America, and also Raphael, I'm going to butcher this, Del Valet. Well, you got it. Hello, hello. Oh, nice, nice. <laughs> yep. He was the national sales manager at Eagle Imports, and, and they work together at Eagle Imports. They're in town uh, enjoying our beautiful weather here in Arizona. And uh, so we are going to, uh, instead of my usual opener, which is usually a monologue, I thought all of us together, Ed, who is the wizard of the soundboard over there, Dan, of course, the other guy. <laughs> Hello. I'm the, yeah, I'm, I'm the one that gets to talk when she tells me to talk. I just love how he says, I'm the other guy. Yeah. Dan, I'm going to have to step up my game, clearly, if, if I'm one of the guys, right? Um, and then, of course, our in-studio guest. I just want to talk about All Hallows Eve. <laughs> like, <laughs> what are, you know, like some of our, our favorite memories? What's, like, the best costume that you ever saw or had yourself? What do you love about the holiday? I know Dan kind of isn't a fan of Halloween, so I thought. You What's know, the matter with you? Him. I boo know, because I I don't know. I boo just, on Halloween? You're supposed to go boo on Halloween. <laughs> oh, okay. So maybe I like it and don't know it. There you go. I don't know. I um, I don't know. It's just a weird thing to me. I I do look forward to uh, Halloween Horrors Night mm-hmm. in Universal Studios. We do that every year. Yeah, you got to say that correctly. Horrors. Halloween horrors yeah, the with other that one, extra R. Yeah, the other one's in January in Vegas. <laughs> hey now, hey <laughs> now. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's fun. We, uh, me and my son-in-law, go every year, and um, it's the highlight of the year. I'm, we're already excited about next year. Well, I think one of the reasons that you're not a super fan is because you've always been a business owner, like from teenagehood before teenagehood and when people approach your place of business and they've got you know costumes on and their faces are are masked and that you know it even your home i think it it makes you just a little bit on edge 
right? Just a little bit. Just a I little bit. I like to bit. know who's knocking at my door. And so let's also talk about, this is a bowl of candy. She literally brought in a bowl do of you, candy. Do you hear? You're so cruel. I'm over here. What what do I have in my hand? So if you guys, <laughs> what do I have? You have the apple that has the razor blade in it. I'm not uh, going anywhere near and that. And I have a banana because and I'm trying to eat healthy. Because you're so, ha- well, you know what? Look, this has redeeming qualities. This is my favorite. Wait. Reese's peanut butter cups. Hold oh. on. I'll tell you, this yeah. is just a display. Peanuts. This is not for use because if it was for use, the Reese's cups would be out of there. Had She'd be having those in her pocket right now. Isn't that like a universal sound of yumminess when you can just hear all those packages crunching together? I don't know. It's the I'm, best I'm, sound in the world. I'm, I'm going to pass it over it. to my, yeah. my right here and get it put to good use, these guys. So how about you, Michael and, and Raphael? How do you feel about Halloween? Do you love it? I love it. I love Halloween. I always have. Um, I, I love it. I think it's a fun holiday. It was always one of my favorites when I was a kid, um, getting to dress up. But I'll tell you what, I don't have children now. And I love seeing all the little kids in their costumes coming by my house and, and giving, them, giving them candy. And um, I just really get a kick out of it. I, I think it's, it's, it's just so much fun. I do too. What do you think, Michael? No, no, I'm complete opposite. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I don't, I don't want anything to do with Halloween. As a matter of fact, I try to stay away from my house so I don't have to open up the door and give out candy. Mike's the guy that leaves his lights off and locks the door. Yes, I am that guy. Uh, no, I like the whole concept of of Halloween and you know scares and stuff like that. I mean, I don't know if anyone's followed my uh, on my Instagram. I got my daughters the other day really bad. I like, didn't see that yet. Oh yeah, I got. <laughs> I took them to see the uh, the new Halloween. Oh no! But I, even I'm 52. No, not doing it. <laughs> so uh-uh. then I came back with. Uh, I had ordered the official mask of Michael Myers. No, so I got them in the mood, like to <laughs> awesome. watch this thing, and literally came into the house like and hid in the shadows, and I filmed it. <laughs> Nice. My daughter's almost had a heart attack. It, it honestly is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. I mean, that is all. You have it on film? It, yeah. Oh, I have to yeah. see that it's, later. It's amazing. 11 and 13 year old, you know, it's. I, I put something on there like, uh, you know, Michael Myers mask, $50, you know, fake knife, $15, like, you know, therapy for the rest of their lives for the cost yes. of like 10 minutes of laughs, yeah. like priceless. Like that type yeah. of thing. That's awesome. This is the guy that hates Halloween and you had the most fun, I think, of all of us. <laughs> of course, at your child's expense, but it's okay. I'm not judging. No judging. Well, when we were oh, kids, man. we used to have to worry about razor blades and stuff like that. We lived in a, a, a neighborhood that that happened in. So I guess that's part of why I didn't like it. I just have always loved it. And I don't, I've never really had like a super clever um, costume necessarily. But, and I'm not even that creative, but I just love the excuse to be a little outrageous or, you know, just step out of the norm. Like when I was a, a kid, we would always go to, to school dressed in costume, of course. And my, my go to was always the hobo. And I don't even know if you can say that now. In the PC world, can you say hobo? I don't know. But that's what I was. There was a, what was it, a restaurant called Hobo Joe's? Yeah. What was that? Yeah. Uh, and there was Joe's? hobos, yeah. and then there was Sambos, too. There was two of them. Yeah, oh, can definitely sambos. can't do Sambos now. <laughs> yeah. We're not allowed to say the word Sambos anymore. <laughs> I was. You're not allowed I don't to dress up like Sambo. <laughs> so, that's, that's I hope the there's S a delay word. on this radio yeah. show. That's the S word. So I would just get... Did, did I touch on something sensitive? <laughs> yeah, I think you did. Uh, thanks for playing, Ed. You can leave now. <laughs> Well, let me tell you yeah. about my other Halloween costume. Okay. No, I'm just 
<laughs> so do you remember, I, I don't know if they do it anymore, but in Vegas we went a couple years ago at Circus Circus on the 13th floor. They closed the whole 13th floor and made it a horror thing. We had a ball because you walk, every room you walked in, and they'd have some kind of creepy thing in there or some kind of scare. Again, no. Oh, it was so that's fun. A hard, hard pass. Definitely. They had the pass. Fright Dome. Like, they did the Fright Dome. I think that stopped last year at Circus Circus yeah. where they would turn the whole, like, amusement park into oh, something. Yeah. But, you know. Hard pass. No. <laughs> so back to hobos because they're not scary. Anyway, <laughs> no, we don't have to talk about hobos. But what I do want to talk about is that whole safety angle. And so we um, just have one child. She's 29 now, but we have a four-year-old granddaughter. And so she's just at that age where, you know, she is going to start going out trick-or-treating maybe with with her friends in a couple of years and a few years from now. And the things that we want to keep in the forefront of our mind is always safety. You know, we want to be sure that um, in this new digital world that we're in, and I am an offender of this. I raise my hand and say guilty. I post pictures in real time on social media. And they say that is a flat out no-no because then people know, oh, there's Cheryl over in Disneyland today, which means she's not in her house. Now, what they don't know is that I have house guests, right, and you know other uh, security features in, in play. But... Uh, but people that don't have that, they might think, oh, well, the house is empty for, let's see, at least another day, right? And so when we're going out to, let's say, Halloween parties and we're posting in real time, well, people know that the house is empty. They know that it, they can come up to the door in costume with their identities, um, you know, hidden and nobody thinks anything of it. And so that's something to, to keep to keep in mind for yeah, sure. You, in our neighborhood uh, you can feel safe because we uh, offer free ammo to anyone <laughs> that walks to the door so, so okay so dan <laughs> let me ask you this uh so now in, in, in no Mar- we don't in maricopa let me county just clarify that. they have announced that it's if you have a teal pumpkin instead of an orange pumpkin a teal pumpkin you are giving healthy snacks so if you're giving ammo is it a red pumpkin <laughs> <laughs> No. First of all, <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about right now. Seriously, they they are doing that. If, healthy. if you if you have a teal, I heard it on healthy the news. Halloween. No, I heard it on the news. What are you morning. spray paint it? I, I guess. <laughs> In other words, if you've got a teal pumpkin, don't expect anybody to come by. That's true. Okay, I have so I, I, I have I have my pumpkin carved like Sambo's. Oh, stop it. <laughs> I don't think if we I, have a pumpkin, do we? If I have our pumpkin is is carved by our 50 millimeter. You know, oh, that's two right. for the eyes, one for the nose. Yeah. No, that would actually completely yeah. destroy it's, You have pudding on your, on your <laughs> stuff. <laughs> Where it used to be. Yeah. So did your kids ever go trick-or-treating, Michael? Uh, yeah, they did. Are they still? Because that's one of those things is what's that age break well, off, you know? I, I think it's getting close, but they're still kind of like in that playful 11, 13-year-old yeah. like you know, yeah. mode. So, yeah. so fun. So fun. I absolutely love it. All right. Well... Other than our two in-studio guests, Dan, you've got to let folks know who is lined up for the show today. Are we doing that? We are doing that. Our first hour, we have Chuck Holton. He's an NRA TV commentator, freelance cameraman, American war correspondent for the Christian Broadcasting Network, a published author, and motivational speaker. He's going to be here to talk to us about the aftermath of the recent Hurricane Michael. And what I really want to know about is the approaching a migrant caravan of 4,000 people headed north through Mexico uh, towards seven, U.S. 7,000. Yes. Seven. Yeah, 7,000. I wrote this two days ago. In two days, it went from four to seven. So what that the heck? That is a scary topic. Mm-hmm. We have Alexander Rubian. 
He is the president of the New Jersey Second Amendment Society. He's a human rights advocacy group that lobbies against unreasonable gun control laws. NJ2AS recently hosted a free day at the range for local high schoolers. Local high schoolers. Yeah. Free day at the range. Because training and education definitely makes things a whole lot less scary. Boo. Boo. Lieutenant Colonel retired Will, Willis Lee is president of the National Federation of Republican Assemblies and a member of the NRA Board of Directors. Willis is here to talk with us about the NRA Board elections and the ongoing conversation about, ooh, it's scary. This is really scary. Bump stocks. Ooh. Talk about boo. Scary. Boo, boo, boo. Scary. Boo, 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 yes. boo, boo. <laughs> anyway, who's our last guest? Then we have. Was he Bing uh, Crosby? <laughs> Edwin Walker. He's a self defense right attorney and vigilant watchman of our constitutional rights. He regularly advises lobbyists on firearms and self defense issues, testifies in front of the Texas legislature, and fights firearm restrictiveness, restrictive ordinances. And we heard him speak recently at the GRPC about the new and way worse version of the quote-unquote assault weapons ban that's being proposed out there. A new one so, again? What, yeah, why don't they just give up? crazy. We also will have our Responsibly Armed Citizen Report and Dan's commentary mm. right after this. And we're back with Cheryl Todd talking about the huge gun-buying event at azfirearms.com. Oh, AZ, I get it, as in Arizona. Yes, but... Oh, or AZ, as in everything from A to Z. Well, yes, that too. But what I'm telling everybody about is that azfirearms.com is having a huge gun-buying event to buy your old firearms all across Arizona and everything from A to Z. That's great news. See, my grandpa left me an old shotgun, and it's just sitting on a closet shelf at home. So I can bring that into azfirearms.com and sell my gun? Absolutely. AZFirearms.com buys, sells, trades, and even consigns your old firearms. Any vintage, any style, military, long guns, handguns, hunting, or home protection. Single items or entire collections. We offer the highest value for your used firearms in a safe and friendly environment. Staffed by knowledgeable people. AZFirearms.com is Knolltown Avondale off I-10 and Dysart Road. Come on down to the huge gun buying event every day through the end of the month at the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And for all your firearm and ammo needs, visit AZFirearms.com. I'm Rob Morse from the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast. Each week we share stories about men and women who saved lives. Now I am asking you to be a lifesaver as well. The Second Amendment Foundation protects our rights to keep and bear arms. They defend our rights in courts from coast to coast. Today they need our help. Please go to saf.org and join the Second Amendment Foundation. That's saf.org. I'm Rob Moore. Hi, folks. I'm Don Kyle. If you're looking for the biggest little gun shop in the West, look to azfirearms.com. They have 1,100 guns in stock and a knowledgeable staff to help you find just the right firearm for you. azfirearms.com is my nationwide hometown gun shop, and you should make it yours, too. Welcome back to our Scary Things edition, our Halloween show for 2018 of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. 
We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. Well, among these scary things that have been going on out there, we just had Hurricane Michael rip through Florida and, and other areas in the, what is that, the southeastern portion of the United States. And now, coming up from the south, we have this huge... They're calling it a migrant caravan. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but it it seems scary for us because we are so uncertain about who's in it, what their reasons for coming are, what their purposes are for being in America. And it's got to be scary for them, leaving their homes, trekking across uh, lands unknown, not really sure what's awaiting them when they get there, wherever there is. And so we wanted to reach out to Chuck Holton, Chuck is an NRA TV commentator, a freelance cameraman, American war correspondent for the Christian Broadcasting Network, a published author, and a motivational speaker. He's here to talk with us about these issues. And when I wrote this, Chuck, I I had written 4,000 people, and that was two days ago. I think we're up to 7,000 plus now? Uh, No, I would say we're closer to 10,000, Cheryl. Oh my um, gosh. I'm actually with the caravan right as we speak. I'm on the Pan American Highway, and uh, they are spread out over about 10 miles at least of, uh, of road between the place where they slept uh, last night, which was Huisla in, in Chiapas State, and uh, where they're headed now, which I can't even pronounce. And <laughs> um, they've been moving since about 4 o'clock this morning. This caravan has been growing day by day, as I said. And uh, like I say, now it's got to be north of 10,000 people. And, uh, you know, for for those of us that only are experiencing it through the media, quote unquote, um, you know, you look at one set of channels and they're like, you know, just the human stories of the, the people who are looking for a better life. You look at another channel and it looks like, you know, this could really pose a problem for us in America. And I think both of those things can be true at the same time. And it just... You know, I'm trying to think, how did this start? So did two two guys sit together one day and go, hey, you know what? It's I, Let's go to America. Or was there an event somewhere that caused people to go, you know, a war started or, you know, like what the heck? Where did this start from? Do you even know? Yeah, I, I would say, I mean, if you want to trace the history of this, you'd probably have to go back to the presidential elections in Honduras, which happened earlier this year. They were hotly contested. Between two parties, one which is a very pro-America, kind of a, a Honduran President Trump, um, Juan Orlando Hernandez is his name. He's the president now. And a there, there's a greater struggle going on across Latin America between uh, the forces of capitalism and the forces of socialism. And so the other party in Honduras is called the Libre Party, and they are actually funded and supported heavily by Venezuela. Now, they lost. And uh, they didn't like that they lost. So Venezuela sent agents provocateurs into Honduras to start trouble. And they started uh, lots of protests, lots of uh, violence, uh, especially uh, political violence, uh, where they're blocking off streets and burning tires and, you know, that sort of thing, um, under the guise of protest. And uh, these are the this is the party that was also favored by MS-13 and the gangs down there. So they, they lost. And they didn't like that they lost. So this is sounding an awful lot familiar. What they started doing was they started encouraging 
I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I, I am sorry for interrupting. It just sounds awfully familiar to what we're experiencing here. And so all these people are coming, yeah. fleeing socialism and fleeing this, uh, you know, one party is upset because they lost. They're coming to a country that wants to embrace socialism, America, those of us in America that want to embrace socialism and we're torn apart because one party is upset that they lost like what <laughs> help me out here what am yeah, i missing no, chuck is, there there are some real similarities and what happened was the opposition party started advertising hey we're gonna just leave Honduras and pick up and go to america now they knew that that would do several things that would look bad for the president of honduras for the current administration that it would make because americans tend to look at other countries as whole units. So it would make uh, the Trump administration likely cut funding to Honduras, and that's exactly what we're seeing. Um, and and in, in reality, that's the wrong tack to take because it was not the current administration of Honduras. It was the uh, opposition party that started this. Now, as it gained steam on social media and then in, in the press down there, a whole lot of people said, you know what? I haven't had a job for months. My my family is actually going hungry. We hear a lot about the, the hardship and misery and suffering that is uh, in in uh, Venezuela right now, but we don't hear as much about the same kind of thing happening in Honduras. But it absolutely is. There is some real serious uh, dysfunction in in the way that the Honduran uh, government and and culture works. A lot of that has to do with these multinational. Uh, terror organizations who uh, basically say my way or the highway you know you you will do what we tell you or we will kill your whole family kind of thing there's so much of that happening down there that a lot of these migrants said hey what do i got to lose it can't be worse going north and so they're joining the caravan and then as the infrastructure starts to take shape to support these people because see look a lot of people in the states think that maybe these migrants are being paid by uh, somebody to join this caravan? I've no, they're not that. being paid. Their payoff is when they get to the United States. But mm. they are being supported and and encouraged by elements of the Honduran, uh, you know, opposition party, and also by left-wing yeah. elements from the United States that are funded by George Soros. Uh, the Pueblos Sin Fronteras. The uh, uh, there's a bunch of Catholic aid organizations down here who are are helping these people. But you can't really blame them because mm -hmm. these people are marching along in 100-plus degree heat with their children, mm -hmm. and you just can't hardly – it just breaks your heart to see it. Mm -hmm. And so good people are coming out of the woodwork down here to help them by giving some food or giving some water, giving a place to stay, giving transportation. Unfortunately, what that's doing is it's making it so much easier for these people to come north that there are multiple more caravans behind this one that have already started that are planning to take advantage of the same infrastructure. Mm. So, Chuck, how you doing? This is Dan. Hey, so the people that are in the front of that line, what do they expect when they get to the uh, the border? What's, what do they think is going to happen? Look, they watch CNN, and um, CNN has been running pretty much nonstop what I would call infomercials, uh, telling them exactly what to expect when they get there. Um, and they know that uh, because Trump has been stymied by the activist courts in Hawaii and Maryland, uh, as far as you know, putting executive orders in place that would stop this kind of thing, that would put a stop to it like right now, 
um, they know that as long as they can get their feet on the ground in the United States, that they'll get processed through immigration uh, illegally. I mean, they'll get processed. They'll be given a court date for their asylum hearing, likely two years in the future, because that system is so overwhelmed. And then they'll be set free in the United States. They know that. And CNN is telling them that. And as a matter of fact, CNN ran, I, I keep showing this article, and CNN uh, did a, a news feature about uh, that says these cities are ready to welcome you when you get to the United States and gives them a list of sanctuary cities to go to. See, I wow. think so, that's... So these people know exactly what will happen. I think that is so... It's irresponsible because I think that then encourages people to put their their lives and their children's lives in danger by making this trek. Yeah where, you know, some people are criticizing. I've heard Geraldo Rivera criticize President Trump saying, you know, this rhetoric about you will not be allowed no matter what, you know, the, he says that is what's a scary thing to say. And I'm saying no. I agree with that. If they feel like there is little to no chance of making it, maybe they'll just put down roots where they are, figure out some other right. way. And I think that that strong messaging is important to saving lives in that way. Well, they, these people, uh, look, um, you are absolutely right. The, the only real answer to this problem is to build the stupid wall. Mm. Because, look, right. if these people make it en masse to Tijuana and they go to try to cross the border into the United States, Right. They are going to be able to cross the border into the United States because this right. the same thing will happen as what happened on the Guatemala-Mexican border right. where Mexican troops were there right. and they came walking up with their children. They put the women and children right. in the front right. and they come walking up and say, what are you going to do, shoot us? Right. And, of course, they're not going to shoot them. And so they just keep walking. And when Trump says we're going to send the military to the border, I'm not sure what the military will do at the border because, again, that's all the Democrats need is a Tiananmen Square right. image of a woman with a baby on her breast right. facing down a tank from Fort Bliss, yes. and the Democrats win. The, they win everything, okay? That's yeah. what they're looking for. That's what they're hoping for. Mm-hmm. The only way to stop this thing from happening is to build that wall so high and so hard to get over that they go, look, it's just not worth it. We've seen that to be the case whenever we have put up a double-layer fence, and it will be the case now. The problem is these people, at the rate they're going, will be in the United States by the election, uh, more or less. And uh, and that, that was the whole idea behind uh, having them start right now. Well, and the people that I've been hearing say, you know, what good is a wall going to do because they build huge tunnels underground and have subways under there, but, you know, that cross the border? These people are not underground right these people are right. on the surface and a a large secure wall would impact and impede uh these people from having a maybe a false hope a false dream um we are almost out of time but uh you know we didn't get a chance to even talk about uh the hurricane michael um situation and the aftermath of all of that um, in just a couple of minutes, can you can you give us any hope <laughs> about what's going on down there, or is that just a big mess as well? It's a big mess. From all of the hurricanes I've been to, that's probably about a seven out of ten, mm. and just because of the scope and the scale of the damage. There's so many trees down. There's so many houses blown away and stuff. But you know, we can we can recover from that. Uh, we, it, it will. Uh, the people are already getting busy. They're already recovering from it. Uh, there are a lot of people who are absolutely devastated, without a doubt. 
But in the, in the United States, we have things called insurance. We have things mm-hmm. called uh, charities. And, and people, this is the thing that's different, okay? When I go to disasters like that anywhere else in the world, you do not see people coming out from outside the affected area to help their fellow man at their own expense. Mm-hmm. They do it if they're part of an NGO or part of the government, that's it. In the United States, you see people coming from as far away as California, driving their own vehicles with their own gas money and their own uh, equipment, spending their own money to buy water and food, to come in to help their fellow men just because we are generous people. And that's one of the great things about America. Amen. That's a perfect place to leave it. Chuck, thank you so much for, for helping, you know, give us kind of a an eyes view of what's going on where you are in Mexico um, and just travel safe. I know you've been in, in worse zones, in war zones, but um, just keep yourself safe. Uh-huh. I think okay, we- uh, well, great. Thank you very much. I sure appreciate it. There's, I'm getting surrounded by just hundreds of people here, so uh, I'm in my car, but uh, I gotta, I gotta run. <laughs> okay, go be safe. Thank you, Chuck. God bless. Right. Godspeed. Thanks a lot. We'll see you. All right. Well, and then we do end on a spooky note. Holy cow! That's that's a little bit terrifying. Can but, you imagine uh, seven thousand people? rushing the border yeah, no. all at once no where are they going to go once they get across the border i, I just don't know it'll be uh, an interesting uh few days ahead i found of a perfect here. costume hmm. for me for halloween the most scariest costume i could ever get i'm i'm a little nervous right now <laughs> i'm gonna be a rights restrictor <laughs> that is a scary costume but rights restrictors look what do they look like just, though just like everybody else but they they like to restrict other people's rights. So anyway, all right, we've got to run to commercial. And when we come back, we will be with Alexander Rubian, the president of New Jersey Second Amendment Society. Stick around. Don Collier here, letting you know that you won't get fool's gold at Potty Gold Auction. They're the genuine article. Potigold auctions off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Stop in and see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd in Avondale, Arizona for some live auction action. Or check them out on the web at potigoldestate.com. Auctions take place the first and third Tuesday of every month and are full of a great mix of antiques, collectibles, jewelry, guns, and coins. Visit our beautiful air-conditioned showroom off the I-10 at Dysart Road at 215 East Western Avenue in historic downtown Avondale. You will find a friendly and knowledgeable staff, comfortable chairs, and we even serve free birthday cake at every auction. Or bid from the comfort of your home at potofgoldestate.com. Don't miss out. Everything is going, going, gone at potofgoldestate.com. Hey everybody, this is Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan, world champion gunslinger and Hollywood gun coach. In the Westerns, there's always a good guy and a bad guy and sometimes the ugly guy. And I always root for the good guy, which is why I'm here to tell you about the good folks over at azfirearms.com. They are straight shooters and always give you the best deal in town. azfirearms.com is the biggest little gun shop in Arizona and have something for every single gun enthusiast. Long guns, pistols, hunting, 
hunting, military, law enforcement, home protection, you name it. And when you've got some guns to sell or trade in and trade up, azfirearms.com are the folks to see. Geez, they bought a cannon once. They are family-owned and operated, friendly staff, courteous, totally reliable. azfirearms.com will give you the best value for your used guns. So stop in, see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd at azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Dysart Road and tell them Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan sent you. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. And sometimes we eat candy in the studio because it's our Halloween show. It's our scary things show, and I'm opening up an amazing chocolatey, peanut buttery, treat a Reese's I know and Ed is giving me the evil eye because he's over there with his his apple he's got his apple and his bananas being very good but I told him that apple probably has a razor blade in it don't do it nobody likes you don't oh my goodness you'll you're hangry go eat your apple all right so our our next guest on our scary things Halloween show is Alexander Rubian He's the president of the NJ2AS, the New Jersey Second Amendment Society. They are a human rights advocacy group that lobbies against unreasonable gun control laws. And uh, welcome to the show, Alexander. Thanks for having me back on. Absolutely. And I know that, that you're a vegan, so I don't know if that affects the candy that you get to eat on uh, <laughs> on Halloween, but... Uh, I don't know. Is a Reese's on the menu? Is it okay if I eat a Reese's? Well, Skittles is actually vegan. Skittles so. is the way to go. I got one of those. I got a wait, Skittles wait a right minute. here. You're saying that you can't eat candy if you're a vegan? Well, some of well, it's there's, got... There's a lot of candies out there that are vegan. The dark chocolate, uh, Reese's peanut butter cups, for instance, is uh, I think pretty sure it's vegan. Mm. And uh, you know, there's a lot of other, others out there, but I'm trying to stay away from the candy, so... Well, you uh, have more control than any of us in the studio today because I did bring in a massive bowl of uh, of the good stuff. So you recently did something that I thought was absolutely amazing. It should have been, I think, on a lot more news uh, platforms out there. You hosted a free day at the range, the shooting range, for local high schoolers. I mean, mm. holy cow! Like I've got to, you got to go all the way back to where this started, how it came through, what people thought of it in the end. But the reason I had you on this show is because you know we're talking about scary things, and training and education definitely makes things a whole lot less scary for kids and their parents. Of course, and and to go back to the beginning, this started when in uh, beginning of the year. When two high school kids, and I mean, when I mean high school kids, you're straight A students, um, you know, outstanding, you know, uh, they had outstanding students that were very involved in the community, straight A's, never been in trouble ever, ever before, went to the gun range with their family as they usually do, and they posted a picture on social media. And the story they came out after is one of their friends or somebody else on social media saw the post. Uh, it was a picture of them at the gun range with a, a tag saying, uh, fun day at the range. So this 
other student apparently got triggered, panicked, called the police and said, these kids are playing with guns. And uh, the school got involved. The police department actually did their little investigation, which is absurd to begin with, that you had to have an investigation <laughs> over this. I like how you um, say their little investigation. Yeah, they had to investigate that two kids went to the, to the range. And they found that there was no wrongdoing. They're right. law-abiding citizens, Duh. they have the permits, they have everything in the correct way, uh, and they broke no laws. However, the school and the school administration felt that, you know what, kids shouldn't be going to the gun range and uh, wanted to create consequences for the students and subsequently ended up suspending the kids, I believe it was for five or seven days. I'm sorry, what? Going, suspended. They suspending, suspended the kids for going to the range. And the excuse that they used, was, well, given current uh, climate and, and students and schools being targeted, you should not be posting this, you know, these types of pictures on your social media. And this was off-school property. It wasn't, the picture wasn't even posted during school hours. It was during a weekend. And this is kind of, when, when I talk to, like, normal states like Arizona, this is the kind of war that we're dealing <laughs> we with behind We are pretty normal. Yes, thank you. And we fight <laughs> and we hard to, to stay and, normal. Yeah, and when we're behind behind enemy lines, this is what so-called "quote unquote" common sense gun laws are, and this whole idea of nobody's trying to take your guns away. They are trying to take your guns away because the the message here was let's undermine society by making these kids think guns are bad, and if you're ever involved with guns, there will be consequences and punishments for ever being involved in guns. Now. You might say that I'm fear-mongering, or the opposition might say that, that no one's trying to take your guns away, and so forth. But those were the exact words of one of the school administrators that spoke at the Board of Education meeting that we have on video. Mm. She came up there on the microphone and said, just by these kids touching a gun, they should be in, pun they should be in trouble, they should get suspended, and there should be an example set to show that other kids should never go to the gun range and learn how to shoot guns. I think she needed a trip out to the range because clearly she she either has an agenda or she is so ignorant is a is a tricky word because it sounds condescending and I don't mean it in a condescending way. I just mean like she clearly doesn't even know what she's talking about. Well, this is the problem when people say we have to have a narrative with the, with the left and, and, and Democrats and so forth. And what I, I like to emphasize is this is not about a lack of education. You know, first of all, the left loves guns. The, the, the Democrats love guns, but only when they have them, <laughs> only when they're being protected by them. Hmm. But when it comes to you and I having guns and us having the ability to protect ourselves, that's when they become hypocrites and say, well, you guys should call the police, you know, wait for them to show up, let them do their jobs. But, you know, we should have guns. We should have armed uh, guards. We should have armed properties and so forth. Imagine the outcry from the left or the Democrats if we ever – you know, put a sticker on the Capitol and said, this is a gun-free zone, no guns allowed. And there was no armed guards and personal bodyguards, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, at the mm -hmm. state capitals and so forth or in Washington. Yeah, like, but, how's that working for you is kind of where we'd end up. So how did you, how did NJ2AS and Alexander Rubian end up either hearing about it, getting involved with it, taking that next step? Because a lot of people go, you know, somebody should X, Y, or Z. You actually step up and go, yeah, I'm the somebody. So we were contacted by many of our members that live in the town, and, and, and luckily this is a very rural kind of uh, you know red area of South Jersey where there's a lot of farmland and 
this is this is actually a, a common tradition, you know, in the area with you know a lot of people being involved in guns, opposed to like North Jersey people that they don't, uh, you know, they're right outside New York City and so forth. So we were contacted, and they were having a special board of education meeting to this, which they had to move to a auditorium in another building because so many parents came out opposing what the school did. Uh, and, rep- and, and for hours, they were reprimanding the school board for awesome. how the school handled the situation, awesome. which was a breath of fresh air. Yes. And there was, I think, two or three people that one of the women that I mentioned, a former board, um, a, a former education uh, administrator that said we have to, you know, punish the kids and kick them out of school. But 98 percent of the people that came to that board of education meeting spoke out. Now, of course, they turned around and said, oh, no, we support the Second Amendment. We do this. We do that. Uh, the lawyers jumped in doing the lawyer thing, you know, whatever the case is. And I said, OK, if you guys are claiming that you're so pro-gun that you, uh, you know, support the Second Amendment, that suddenly all of you guys are Second Amendment supporters and NRA members, why don't you guys prove it? We're going to host a free day to range for your high school students, and we're going to take all of them to the gun range, and we want you to endorse it and support it. <laughs> And one by one, I went through the entire board of education, all the board members, mm-hmm. and said, do you support this? Do you support gun safety? We'll teach them what to do if you ever see a gun, like, you know, common Eddie Eagle practices, how to properly and safely handle a firearm. And one by one, I picked them off, and they all agreed, this is a great idea. We should be advocating for gun safety. We should be advocating for proper and, and safe handling of a firearm, as we did as Americans throughout our, our history. That is so absolutely fantastic. Two months later, fast forward, we ended up getting a range to donate their time, donate the instructors, donate the ammunition, the gun rentals, and so forth. We had a large day; it was about a hundred, you know, hundred people there. Uh, they all showed up. It was a wonderful day. Uh, but the the best part about it was when one of the students was interviewed in the news. He said, "I always thought guns were scary." Shooting guns was a lot of fun. I had a great time and talked about, you know, the types of guns you want to look into trying to buy now, getting his permit. That's uh, awesome. And, of course, Mom's Demand Action came forward and wrote this this <laughs> terrible article about there was nothing about safety. It was all about teaching kids how to shoot guns and showing them that it's fun, which, <laughs> A, shooting guns is fun. It is fun. You know, and Sorry. And B, Not sorry. Yeah. And, B, we've had, we actually have an Olympian that came from New Jersey from Brown Mills, New Jersey, that actually uh, started because he went to the gun range with his father's friend, who's an FBI agent in high school. Wow. You know, so there's a competitive aspect of this as well, mm-hmm. that going to the gun range, you might be a really good shot, and you could pot- potentially become a com- competitive shooter one day. Absolutely. So we ended up flipping the narrative, turning a negative into a positive, and now getting a bunch of high school kids either wanting to go back to the gun range wanting to get into competitive shooting because one thing I advocated to them is there's a lot of college scholarships out there that nobody talks about mm-hmm. that they can go to college for free mm-hmm. if they are a competitive shooter involved in the competition sports. Absolutely. And, and we've got to run, but what, what people who aren't in the shooting sports or, or familiar with guns, what they don't understand is that when kids are out on the range with their family, first of all, it's, they're not having screen time with their phones, right? They're with their family. They're learning Mm -hmm. discipline. They're learning focus. They're learning maturity. They're learning follow through. So many important things. Uh, You would think that every parent would would embrace that and and want to do more to uh, at least investigate 
the idea and not suspend straight A students for doing that and then posting a picture online. It, it, there's craziness, but I'm so thankful that there are people like you out there and an organization like NJ2AS out there, you know, helping, like you said, flip the script. I think put the script exactly. back where it, it should be in the first place. But we've got to run. Thank you so much for spending time Thanks with us. Thanks for having this. me back on. Yeah, as we go out, tell folks how they can find out more about what you're doing and support it. This is a volunteer donation-based organization. How can they help support? Absolutely. Uh, NJ2AS.org. I keep telling everybody from around the country, don't let your state become like New Jersey. We are behind enemy lines. We're fighting the fight here. you got to kill the snake by cutting its head off. But never, ever let your state become like New Jersey. You're awesome, and you can't be everywhere yourself, right? So we need more Alexander Rubians out there doing the good work. Thank you. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. All right. Coming right up on the other side of these messages is Willis Lee. Now, he's a lieutenant colonel, retired. He's the president of the National Federation of Republican Assemblies and a member of the NRA Board of Directors. Stick around. And we're back with Cheryl Todd talking about the huge gun buying event at azfirearms.com. Oh, AZ, I get it as in Arizona. Yes, but... Oh, or AZ as in everything from A to Z. Well, yes, that too. But what I'm telling everybody about is that azfirearms.com is having a huge gun buying event to buy your old firearms all across Arizona and everything from A to Z. That's great news. See, my grandpa left me an old shotgun and it's just sitting on a closet shelf at home. So I can bring that into azfirearms.com and sell my gun. Absolutely. azfirearms.com buys, sells, trades, and even consigns your old firearms. Any vintage, any style, military, long guns, handguns, hunting, or home protection. Single items or entire collections. We offer the highest value for your used firearms in a safe and friendly environment, staffed by knowledgeable people. azfirearms.com is Knolltown Avondale off I-10 and Dysart Road. Come on down to the huge gun buying event every day through the end of the month at the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And for all your firearm and ammo needs, visit azfirearms.com. I'm Rob Morse from the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast. Each week we share stories about men and women who saved lives. Now I'm asking you to be a lifesaver as well. The Second Amendment Foundation protects our rights to keep and bear arms. They defend our rights in courts from coast to coast. Today, they need our help. Please go to saf.org and join the Second Amendment Foundation. That's saf.org. Darkness falls across the land. The midnight hour. So Ed is motioning to me, but who wants to interrupt Thriller? I mean, really. I love that song. All right. Thanks for sticking around. You are with Gun Freedom Radio. And Cheryl's from the 80s. <laughs> I am very much from the 80s, and big hair's coming back. I'm super happy about it. My daughter is not. I am. As long as this parachute hairspray come with it, in cases. I'm good. Yes, exactly. So Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. And, of course, today is our Scary Things Halloween show for 2018. 
And if you have missed any portion of today's show, please be sure to check out our website, gunfreedomradio.com. Click the On Demand tab and binge listen to your heart's content. All 132 other episodes we have posted there. And when you want to put a face with a voice, click the Guest tab. There are photos and bios and links to all of the guests that we've ever had on the show. It's a wonderful resource, and you know, we don't hate it when you spend some time there. All right, our next guest is retired Lieutenant Colonel Willis Lee. Thank you for your service, sir. He is the president of the National Federation of Republican Assemblies and a member of the NRA Board of Directors. Willis is here to talk with us about the upcoming NRA Board elections and the ongoing conversation about those scary bump stocks. And half my audience just said, what? Bump what? (laughs) Welcome to the show, Willis. Well, thank you. And bump stocks are scary. Great to be with you and Danny on this uh, Halloween week. Fun to follow you guys uh, and all you do for our community. I figure we'll do some lightning round stuff today. We've got a lot to cover. Thanks. I love it. I am so excited. We've been talking about having you on forever, but you are a busy dude. And uh, so I'm excited, especially now with the board elections nearing. You know, I've heard that of the people who are even members that are voting eligible, that only 8%, did I hear that right? 8% actually engage in voting for their board of directors and then get mad when the NRA maybe does something that they disagree with. Am I following that correctly? Well, you are, and, and it's almost embarrassing for what we do because we're such an important part of our community, the Second Amendment community. Cheryl, the NRA is the only major Second Amendment organization which allows us, the members, to decide on who's the board, who the leadership is. And life and five-year members get their ballots in the official magazine, in fe- uh, the February magazine, but it comes in late January. Some don't even see the ballot, and others just read past it. You'd think that one vote doesn't make a difference, but in several of these past elections, nationwide have made the difference between people being on the board and not. And then, invariably, we don't vote, and then we complain about the NRA. But here's an opportunity to shape the board. Our voters need to vote. So, so true. And uh, you are up for election this coming election. Is that true? The election, yeah, for 2019, I am. Thanks for mentioning this. I'm a combat veteran, a West Point grad, and I served 22 years as a Ranger and Airborne Qualified Officer. So I'm looking forward to this next election and having another term for three years on the board. And uh, you had a pretty awesome endorsement, from what I understand. Uh, someone our listeners may or may not have heard from, you know, this guy, Colonel Oliver North himself endorsed you for the board. This is pretty incredible, Cheryl. And Daniel, I understand this, too. I've been on the board for three years, a little less than three years. And so I'm fortunate I'm appointed to serve on six committees. And I'm a committee chairman of one, a co-chairman on another. And this go-around, I am honored to have Colonel Norris' endorsement. It's the only endorsement Ollie's ever made in an NRA election. And even wow. if you're a guy with an ego as large as mine, it's pretty <laughs> humbling when Colonel North supports you. Well, you're doing good work, and what do you expect? I mean, that's what they do, right? Absolutely. I, I'm just, it, you know, people can do good work and not be 
recognize, though, and I, I love that um, that Colonel North recognized uh, how important you are. You are constantly on the road. You are out there interacting with real-life people like Dan and I at events all over the country. And, uh, you know, that takes a lot of time out of your family. And, and I know that it's because you're so passionate about protecting our rights. So I appreciate that. Well, thank you. Uh, pretty much back at you. You guys are, are, are my heroes and you're the ones I follow and watch do all these activities well I'm blushing and I you know when we're talking about this this voting for the NRA board a few people have told me you know go for this bullet style voting now I know that you know it's probably you know cute way of saying it because we're you know in the gun industry but what does that mean exactly when we get that ballot and you're telling me, you know, your your vote will have much more power if you kind of focus it on a few individuals and do it bullet style. Kind of, can you help unpack that a little bit for us? I I can, and I hope to have the support and earn the vote of your listeners. I encourage voters to what they call bullet vote. And interesting, Cheryl, it's it's a political concept uh, long before it was used in the NRA uh, elections. It's simply numbers. It applies for any election when you have multiple candidates to fill multiple seats. In the NRA election, for example, if a voter selects 25 of the 35 who are on the ballot, then all those 25 are equal. To make a difference, voters have to vote for one, obviously I prefer me, or perhaps three and absolutely no more than five. It it makes you make a tough decision or tough choices, but that's what we do daily in our gun community. So you read the bios, you Google search, you pay attention to directors you know, and then cast your vote. I'm proud to have your support from mm-hmm. from you, Cheryl and Dan, mm-hmm. and I hope your listeners will vote the same way. Absolutely. And, you know, again, just to touch back on, it, it frustrates me so much when people do not take their opportunity to have a say and have a voice and then want to come and criticize, you know, the mayor of the city or the, the NRA, that sort of thing. And it's like, first of all... It, you know, be a member if you're going to, if you want things to change, if you want things to go in a different direction, you can't stand outside the door and shout at the, the organization. You've got to involve yourself. And, uh, and then once you're involved, take your opportunity. Be more than the 8% that, uh, that currently votes. So another topic, Tom Selleck, of course, Magnum P.I., Holy cow, talk about the oh, 80s. No. Oh, no, don't my go there, Cheryl. Come on. <laughs> I can't help it. He's okay to look at. He's, he's a little easy on the eyes. Um, he has been a board member for several years, but he recently resigned. And, you know, we don't really know exactly why, at least I don't. But I'm just wondering, are, are people, what are people saying? And do you think it is a quiet criticism, form of criticism of the NRA from Tom Selleck himself? Well, thanks for asking, Cheryl. I've had that, that question posed a couple of times. But so folks know, I'm not an NRA spokesman, so I'm not speaking mm-hmm. for the NRA, sure. except on specific occasions such as that rally in Minnesota. Sure. But I'll give transparency as I know it. Uh, any opinions are mine. Tom was a valuable longtime board member, having, uh, and if po- folks don't know, he just recently resigned from the NRA Board of Directors. Having any folks in that environment, Hollywood and the far-left media, willing to step forward helps our movement. An example of every board member has value, though, he, three, four years ago, he headlined the Women's Leadership Forum at our NRA annual meeting. Mm-hmm. In two hours, the NRA Foundation raised $4.3 million from his auction of, you're going to love this, Cheryl, <laughs> Magnum PI memorabilia. 
I was there. And, I was there when it happened. It was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and I'd say that's a pretty much all in for the NRA. And and I expect from, from conversations that I can't expound on, he'll continue to help and stay involved sure. mm-hmm. as his schedule permits. He just got busy, yep. and, and I get that. It's, and look at your schedule, look at mine, and this yep. is Tom Selleck. He's in New York shooting his uh, record-breaking ninth season of Blue Bloods. That is such a good show. I just love that family show. Yeah, now I know why when Cheryl came back from that conference, why we have a room that's locked <laughs> and she won't let me go in there. It's a shrine. Ah. It's a Tom Selleck shrine. Sorry, sorry, not sorry. Okay, so I think this next topic, I think you and I might end up disagreeing a little bit on, and that is completely okay, and I love it because dissenting opinions that are respectful of one another are important. But you know what? Once you start talking, I'm you might sway me. This whole bump stock thing. And I know the NRA is saying, yeah, let's get behind, you know, causing them to be under more regulation or illegal. Or I'm not even 100 percent sure what the NRA's position is. But I I thought maybe you could talk to me a little bit about it because I'm just seeing it's a piece of plastic. And, you know, whether it's a bump stock or it's some other um, embellishment, it feels like a, a slippery slope, another slippery slope to get on. I, I think you'll find that you and I don't don't disagree on this at all. Let, let me tell you how I see this, and then we'll see where we uh, where we end up. Sure. You are involved in politics, so we know that all the activism, phone calls, door knocks, advertisements, they all come down to one number, one, only one number in politics, and that's 60, 60 votes in the U.S. Senate. We need 60 votes to pass a bill or invoke cloture to end debate, or we need to stop 60 bo- votes for a bad bill. After Parkland, the Democrats and weak Republicans were very close, very close to having 60 votes to ban ARs and all semi-automatic rifles of any odd description that they use. Crazy. That's a dangerous time for our civil rights. Mm -hmm. We didn't compromise. Mm -hmm. The NRA and most of our community stood firm. We would not and could not allow a proposed AR ban to pass. Mm -hmm. There was no compromise on that. So after Parkland, that was the choice. We decided not to give one inch on semi-automatic rifles. Mm-hmm. Again, everything's political. If U.S. voters keep electing candidates who are soft on the Second Amendment, uh, who are, I believe, but yes. type of officials, yep. then we have to but. decide which issue we're not going to compromise. So with all the great ideas and criticism and compliments, and I'm a Mulan Lavi guy, they better think 60. That's the number in the Senate. So that's what it came down to. Okay. We are running out of time. We've got less than a minute left. We're going to have to have you back on to hit the rest of our lightning round questions. But uh, I want to thank you so much for for bringing a lot of clarity to some things that uh, I think a lot of folks haven't really fully understood, like how to vote, when to vote, um, that sort of thing, how to be involved. And just as we go out, please tell folks how they can follow all the work you do, um, reach out and ask you questions themselves, and just stay involved with, with the, the awesome Second Amendment work that you're doing across the country. Thank you, and thank you for having me on. You guys are great. Uh, my contact information is on your page mm-hmm. there with the guest list, but they can go to my Willisley NRA Facebook page, not my personal page, but that one, I'd, uh, Instagram and Twitter. But most important is to check my website, willisley.com. And I'll give this out to your listeners at large, willis.lee at gmail.com. They have an issue or a comment for NRA, have them send it to me direct. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Stay safe out there. And again, thank you so much for 
all you have done and are continuing to do for our country through all of your service. Happy Halloween for all the family. Happy Halloween, Willis. All right, stick around. We still have our number two just on the other side of these messages.